With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Under Review. I'm Rob Stats Carrere here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Fish Kumar is going to join us in a couple of minutes, but... I know there was a little scheduling snafu earlier, so I didn't want to have to make anybody wait uh, any longer. So when Vish hops in, obviously we'll throw him in and uh, we, he and I can get started. Before we get rolling in earnest, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Also like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you would. It's Eagles week, everybody. Can you feel it? Can you feel it in the air, the atmosphere? It's just different this week and let's be honest the players are going to say different the coaches are going to say different but you and I know we have been looking at this game and looking forward to this game since the schedule came out in May it was like when are we playing the Eagles again we're all waiting for it it's been a big topic of discussion with the 49ers players this week they've already been asked about it a bunch the Eagles have already chimed in a bunch I believe it was uh, Hassan Reddick right who threw in the uh, kind of incendiary remarks, so to speak. I don't blame him. Look, the Niners did talk about it a lot. They talked about it a lot because it was super weak, right? So that was all anybody wanted to talk about in the NFC Championship. So, yeah, everybody's talked about it as Vish Kumar hops in here. What's up, Vish? What's up, Rob? You started without me? Well, I didn't want to make people wait. I felt bad because I screwed up the scheduling earlier, so I decided to hop in. I was just saying, like, this is it. We're here. This is the week that we have all circled since May. Oh, yeah. This is really exciting. I think this is a game that all of us wanted to see. Last February, it was supposed to be a game between two big juggernauts. It was supposed to be two of the more talented teams we've seen in a while in the NFC. Supposed to be the two teams completely destroying everybody. And the quarterback got injured four plays into the game, and we didn't get to see it. And there were a lot of things said this offseason and now we're about to see it play out on the field with two of the best, probably the two best teams in the NFL right now going up against each other tomorrow or on Sunday. And I want to say a couple of things. First of all, 
This is not a revenge game, okay? Winning this game on Sunday does not make up for the fact that the 49ers lost in the playoffs. The Eagles got to go to the Super Bowl, okay? That's, I don't care that the 49ers win in week 13 this year. It's different, all right? And, and anybody that had their choice would choose to win the NFC Championship game over the rematch the following season. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is the Eagles don't have to apologize for the victory. And I said it at the time. You play who's there. They didn't do anything dirty to knock anybody out of the game. They won. That's great. If you ask me, I'm not going to tell you the Eagles beat the 49ers that day because they literally ran out of quarterbacks, but the Eagles have to make no apologies for the victory. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was an unlucky situation, but that's yes. football. Stuff like that happens. I mean, I remember Aaron Rodgers once played Joe Webb in a wild card playoff right. game and Adrian Peterson had an MVP year. But if you play a wide receiver playing a quarterback, that's what circumstance dictates. It's the win and the loss in the end of the day that counts in the NFL. It's unfortunate that circumstances dictated what happened last year because the people that were really robber football fans, we lost the opportunity to see two absolute juggernaut teams go at it. And so I'm excited to see that this Sunday. And it's going to be a bunch of fun. And after the game Sunday between the Eagles and the Bills, the big topic of conversation is, I don't know what you want to call it, resilience, uh, refusal to lose, whatever it is, that thing that the Eagles have that have allowed them to come back in three straight games down at halftime and win the game. Of course, the Eagles in this one were down by 10 in the third at halftime, down by 10 in the third, down by three, less than two minutes to go, and down by three in overtime and still won. And the big question for a lot of 49ers fans is, do we have that? Is that in the 49ers too, Vish? And I put it to you. Is that here? I don't know. I think we know that this football team has had it in the past. We've seen resilience from a lot of these individual players in the past, but Every year is a brand new year and every football team is its own team, right? We've seen iterations of the same team. For example, Seattle with the Legion of Boom. We've seen the same team, you know, with Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom be very good in close games. And we've also seen them be not so good in close games. And this particular 49ers team has one-on-one game scripts seven di- or eight different times this year. They get an early lead. They get up, you know, two scores very early in the football game with great execution on offense and quick three and outs and quick pace defense. And then from there, they kind of just hold the lead and coast for the rest of the game. That's kind of been the game script they've won on. And it's been a successful game script, and they've absolutely dominated in molly wallop teams. Like all eight of their wins have been by pretty dominant margin. They've looked convincingly as one of the best teams in the NFL when they win. In fact, they've looked historic when they win at times this year, the first five games of the year, the way they dismantled Dallas, the Dallas team that was dismantling everybody they had played coming into that game. It was all very impressive, but the issue is we haven't seen them in a game where, Hey, something goes wrong early. And now you got to play from behind early. And we haven't not, we have seen them in that game. We haven't seen them win a game like that. And I feel like a lot of that conversation is always can Brock Purdy succeed in that kind of a situation. I don't have much of a question about that, Rob, actually, because I've seen him succeed. Brock Purdy played well when they fell behind early versus Cincinnati. Brock Purdy played well when they fell early behind Minnesota. But I don't know that about this football team as a whole with Brock Purdy under center. They have not won a game where this year where, hey, they fall behind early and they have to deal with that. Now, that's not a flaw. That's not something that is detrimental about this team. We just haven't seen them in that situation completely. And we don't know if we can trust them to win that kind of a game. Philadelphia, on the other hand, they only win games like that, apparently. 
for such a talented and dominant team, they haven't been so dominant, but they've shown this ability to win every single game that they've come to when it comes to these tight margins. Keychan, YouTube channel member, says the Eagles were outgained the last two games and also less time of possession against Buffalo and Kansas City, but still won. How do you beat them if that's what Kyle Shanahan likes to do? Seems like small mistakes are big against Philadelphia. By the way, shout out to Keychan and all the YouTube channel members. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Become a YouTube channel member. It's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, and priority comment response. Please and thank you. And yes, Vish will get mad at me if I don't say it. If you want, I will also follow you on Twitter if you become a YouTube channel member. Hey, I'm not the one with, what, 30,000 followers on Twitter? Ah, but every time I do that, you inflate the number of my followers to astronomical levels. No, it's like... I mean, dude, you're on, like, the Up and Adam show. You're on ESPN. You're a big deal. I am not a big deal. But let's get back to the question here. It, it's interesting because Kyle likes to get up on teams and sort of ride it out. And the Eagles do not care if that is the situation. So it is a little bit of a dicey spot on Sunday. Yeah. Where, where the Eagles are a little bit different. I've seen other people bring up other teams that play close games. The issue is to me, the Eagles also have their overwhelming talent on both sides of the ball that allows them to make plays in these small margin of error games. Like, yeah, they had some calls go over their way versus Buffalo yesterday, but Jalen hurts also was running in a lot of tight situations and converting big third downs. And he also did that, right? Jake Elliott made a 59-yard kick with the game on the line. That's big-time stuff. Like, they have athletes and special football players all over their team filled with talent that also are making big plays in these moments. And that's where, to me, it's a little bit different. It's not just a team that wins close games like Minnesota, for example, last year. Because there's something about this team where their talent is also better, where when they get into these tight margin ball games, now all of a sudden they're pass rushers, right? How many games have been closed by a Josh Sweat, closed by a Brandon Graham over the years, closed by a Fletcher Cox over Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox, excuse me, over the year. And their aggressiveness, Rob, this is where the Sirianni effect gets into it. And I don't know that he gets enough credit, even though I despise him. Like, talk <laughs> about just a completely unlikable guy. Like he represents Philadelphia better than anything because of how unlikable he is, <laughs> but he is so aggressive with them going forward on fourth down that mentality with the tush push. It's not luck that they're winning close football games because they maximize opportunity to win close football games. They do those little things that nobody wants to talk about. Hey, go against the analytics. But when they go for it on fourth down as much as they do, they increase margin for and in how they go for two and stuff like that. They're increasing margin in every one of these close games where the chances of them winning that football team game becomes greater. And then, of course, they always have the most more talented team on the field just about in every game besides probably this Sunday when the talent will be a little more equal. And so that definitely helps. It's not just, okay, this goes right, this goes right. They also are opportunistic in these close games, and part of it is their aggressiveness as well. It's not an accident that they have won eight straight games when trailing. It's not. Uh, Mike Monahan says the Eagles are suspect. Yes, they found a way to win against other teams, but none with defenses like ours. They just beat the Chiefs two weeks ago. They have one of the best defenses in the league. Like, we got to stop pretending like the Eagles aren't good. Doesn't mean you have to be afraid of them, but we have to acknowledge right. that they are good. It's not a fluke. It's not... It's because they're damn good. And let's at least acknowledge the reality of that situation. Right. And that's 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 the one that I, I really can't get past. Like they're nine and one. 
They are coming off of a Super Bowl loss. Do you know how hard it is to recover from a Super Bowl loss? I remember the 2020 49ers. They're 10 and they 1. They had a lot of lingering things. Now they had to go through a COVID year, not necessarily a fair comparison, probably on my part, but it's difficult to recover from the Super Bowl. That's why not every team is able to do that. The Eagles are a really, really good football team. There's no doubt about it. Um, and the other thing is, by the way, we've seen the Niners also like. What happens if the game's close for the Niners? We've seen three different iterations where they've had to play a close game, and they've they've been the team that makes execution blunders. There has to be some credit to Philadelphia that in each one of these games, you know, 10 different times, basically, they've been in a close game. And all of those times that they've been the team that executes better going down the stretch. It just there seems, is something to that. It seems like with the 49ers, when the train is rolling, the train is rolling. But if there is an acorn on the train track, the whole thing can derail. The Eagles are not like that. Perfect, perfect illustration. They're driving down at the end of regulation to try and get the field goal. They have not one, but two false starts by their all-world center, Jason Kelsey. Guess what? Doesn't matter. They still get it done. We've seen with the 49ers, when they have a penalty on offense, more often than not, that's it. Fold up shop. Drive over. We'll punt and we'll try again. The Eagles, it reminds me, and I, I told you this when we talked on the phone earlier tonight, Jalen Hurts especially reminds me of young Russell Wilson. We agreed on that one, actually. You asked oh. me, who you know who he reminds me of? And I was like, Russell Wilson. You're like, yeah. I can't believe we could have this guy, one of these guys who can scramble around, make a play, is not flustered in a big spot, and has an unshakable belief that he is going to find a way to get it done. Russ was exactly the same way. He still is, really. He doesn't get it done as often as he used to, but he still is like that. And that's Jalen Hurts, man. I, I agree to an extent, but here's where some of the Jalen Hurts belief stuff gets on my nerves. He also plays on a football team that gives him endless opportunity where when he's able to screw up, he's able to be the comeback kid, right? True. Like, look True. at the game yesterday. Nobody gave Josh Allen the opportunity to be the comeback kid. The guy makes one bad mistake, and every talk show wants to talk about that one bad mistake today well, when he carried that football team in that game. And Jalen Hurts played one of the worst halves I've seen an MVP candidate quarterback play. And, oh, he's the comeback kid. He's the king, blah, 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 because his team helped him get back into that football game. Totally. Look, Hurt, he makes a lot of big plays, okay? But he also, I don't think he played well in the NFC Championship game last year. I thought the 49ers defense gave him some issues. I thought Ward and Lenore in particular had actually very decent days against both Devontae Smith and both A.J. Brown. I think what a lot of what the Chiefs did on defense should give the Niners a lot of uh, confidence in terms of their ability to have success against this Eagles offense. Where I think the matchup is interesting to me, Rob, is both these teams have not played a team like each other, okay? When I say the 49ers and the Eagles, they're right now number two and number three in run defense in the NFL. Guess what they also are? They also are one and two in opponents' least amount of attempts against these two defenses, which means they're both built, they're both built very differently structurally on defense, but essentially similar in the sense that they try to get the game to where their pass rushers can just uninhibited go chase the quarterback late in the game and close the deal for them. That's what Philly wants to do. That's what San Francisco wants to do. San Francisco, I think, gives up four yards of carry, so they're like ninth in the NFL. Philly's middle of the road in terms of giving up, I think, like 4.2, 4.3 yards of carry. That's where this matchup is going to be interesting because both of these teams have not played teams that can consistently run the football against each other, against them, right? And both of these teams do like to run the football. We do know that. I think that they're both top five in attempts, rushing attempts in the NFL. I think they're two and three 
right now in terms of rushing attempts in the NFL. So these are two teams that like to run the football. These are two teams that do not get the run who do not get the football run against them. And these are two teams that give about four yards of carry. To me, that's where this game is going to come down to the time of possession. Right now, the 49ers lead the NFL where they can, they hold the ball for 56% of the time in every first half they've played this year, which means that a lot of these first halves, this game script we're talking about, Rob, the other part of the game script is not that they just get ahead. It's long drive, three and out, long drive again, and it's midway through the second quarter and it's 14-0 and your offense hasn't even thrown a pass. That's what they do. Philadelphia also counters that because they hold the ball a long time. And they're, I think, number one in time of possession in the second half. They lead the NFL in points scored in the second half. So there's a lot of these things about the matchup to me that we have not seen both of these teams actually have to go up against because they've not faced teams of the same caliber as them. Yes, Philadelphia has played Kansas City and Buffalo and the 49ers have played Dallas. But even in those games, I think we've looked at it and said on paper, it looks like, damn, the 49ers are way more talented than Dallas. Like, whoa, Philadelphia has a couple more players than even Kansas City. Kansas City's weapons aren't good enough to beat a team like Philadelphia, right? We got that impression. So to me, this matchup, there's a lot of unknown as well. Because the way they've beat up on teams is not the way they're going to get matched up with by the other team. Like the Niners are not going to give up on running the football. Their best player is Christian McCaffrey. Philadelphia is not going to give up on running the football. Running the football is the best thing they do with Jalen Hurts, especially in the red zone. And it's what they do when things get hairy and scary. They go back to Jalen Hurts' legs because it's one of the most dependable things. And especially, like you said, in the red zone, they're running quarterback draw. They are running it. And Steve Wilkes, you keep that zero blitz in your pocket because he has shown multiple times this year when you zero blitz Jalen Hurts, he knows exactly how to do it to where he's untouched basically through the line of scrimmage and gets a big chunk gain. You mentioned the running game. And I I wrote something on the website about this and I did it in 49ers and five yesterday. The Eagles defense the last two weeks has been on the field for more than an hour and 12 minutes of game time. They were on the field for 32 plus minutes against the Chiefs in week 11 and over 40 minutes on Sunday against Buffalo. It's a total of 166 plays, Vish. If I am Kyle Shanahan, I do two things. I either run the hell out of the ball with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason and get everybody into the pool, get somebody fresh into that game constantly. Or if you want to go another direction, which I don't think they will, but you could go hurry up, right? Especially right out of the gate. Go hurry up and use up that energy reserve, that little bit of juice that the Eagles have. Go hurry up and just tire them out and then pound them the rest of the day. Yeah, uh, I I don't know that you can necessarily pound them either. On, on, in, on paper, it sounds nice, but that defensive line is still deep. There's still a lot of really good players. And They're here's the issue, teams, man. They get tired. But But here's the issue with pounding them. That's the big mismatch of the game to me. The 49ers offensive line, four of those guys are very over, overmatched in this football game. Agreed. Whether they have to deal with the Josh Sweat, whether they have to deal with Brandon Graham, whether they have to deal with Fletcher Cox, whether it's Jordan Davis, whether it's Jalen Carter, whether it's Hassan Reddick, four of those five guys to me are you know somewhat overmatched. I think that's funny. Bay <laughs> <laughs> Area Bullets. We all know J.P. Mason ain't getting a carry. Yeah. And so, so for me, when we're talking about four of those five players being overmatched, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's a little bit easier said than done. To me, the weakness of Philly is their secondary. There's going to be big chunk plays available. It's about can we get the protection right and give Brock Purdy enough time to find it. That, to me, is where the ball game is. I don't know. I mean, they're going to try to feed Christian McCaffrey because that's what they do. 
But this is not the kind of game to me because those defensive linemen will get upfield. This is not the kind of game they can move those guys. I mean, when you're talking about that penny front they're going to play, it's going to be really wide. They're not going to let the Niners stretch them out and get outside of them. And then those guys, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, they can two-gap, and they can two-gap with the best of them. They're going to be tough to move. It's it's not going to be an easy front for them to run the football against. This this front has always given this style of run game issues, running the football. It's the old Fangio penny front. I mean, since the 6-1 they ran on McVay, I, I don't love the running running matchup personally in this one. I think you got to do it. We saw Fletcher Cox was banged up. He had a groin injury. We don't know the status of Lane Johnson, although I know he's on offense. I think you got to do it. I think I don't care that they're deep, man. That's a lot of freaking 166 plays in two weeks. It's a lot. And the Niners are going to be extra rested with three extra days of rest. Go take it to them. To, I, to me, to me, it's about I, I, I think if if you're talking about, well, they're going to have to run the football all over them. I, I don't see that happening. But if you're saying, hey, stay committed to the run, the way the 49ers win the game is they get 30 runs off. I agree with that. They need to be balanced. They can't drop Brock Purdy back in this game, even though I do think that him in the passing game is going to be their most effective weapon on offense. Because again, that pass rush, they overmatch them in, in the pass game as well. So I agree with you that they need to be committed to running the football. But I don't know that this is a game that the Niners can just pin their heads back and say, we'll run it 40 times and that's going to be that. I wouldn't mind it, honestly. I think where the Niners are most over, overmatched is the pass. Brock Purdy's not going to have time to throw. He doesn't have time to throw against teams with bad pass rushes. You drop back to pass too much in this game, and I think it's going to lead to bad things. It's going to lead to Brock getting a little crazy with the football. To me, I put Debo in the backfield. I put McCaffrey in the backfield. And I only want Brock Purdy doing play action and bootlegs. That's the Brock Purdy passing I want to see. That's where he can be effective. That's where they can protect him from that pass rush a little bit. I don't want to see Brock Purdy doing seven-step drops. And just you want to see straight... bootlegs? Yeah. I, I, mean, bootlegs, I mean, bootlegs all depend, though, on whether the backside end is playing smart in terms of contain. If the backside end is closing, you can have plays where Hassan Reddick is free. On yes. Brock Purdy, if you're only calling blue, blue, blue Thank legs. you for explaining football to me, Vish. Like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, if you're talking about plays that could lead to massive negatives, I, I, I think, like, if we're talking about the Niners offense, you mentioned it at the, earlier in the show. The number one thing that gives them issues is any sort of negative play, right? A holding penalty, a false Correct. start, a sack, anything on first down, they have that. It's a drive killer for them. I, I would love to do some sort of deep dive data if I could at some point, if I get the time on just one negative play and how it affects a 49ers drive, because off the top of my head, I feel like the 49ers drives that fail in opponent territory all have a holding penalty, a mm -hmm. false start or a sack a sack. Yep. <laughs> on first down. It's unbelievable how often it happens where you could almost write it down. Like, Oh, that's the, they're like the anti Eagles. The Eagles, like they don't give a crap about that. They're like, whatever. We got another down. If it's fourth down, we'll use that down. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's, that's the other thing, right? They go for it on fourth down. Well, and it's such a game changer, first of all, right. because if it's third and one or fourth and one, forget it. They're converting. Like there's nothing you can do at this point because they just do the they do the sneak and they're really good at it. But also it changes the play calling for the whole rest of the series, too. And Peyton Manning talked about it uh, at halftime when the Eagles are playing the Chiefs. And Peyton Manning's point was you got to use your exotic calls on first and second down. You can't save them for third down because if it's mm -hmm. third and short, they're going to be wasted anyway. You right. have to forget about preventing the Eagles from getting 10 yards. You almost have to prevent them from getting seven or eight because they're just going to keep going for it. 
So it's it's a really it's going to be a really interesting game with Steve Wilkes and how he calls the game because you have to plan for that stuff. The Eagles are so hard to stop because they're willing to go for it on all four downs. And the other thing is they played a lot of man coverage last week against Seattle on defense, right? And I expect they're going to play a lot of single high man coverage again because that's what I think they're best, most comfortable with Jair Brown doing at the moment. Well, that's a tough matchup against these guys. They did an excellent job against Metcalf, Lockett, and Smith the Jigba. That's a good receiving core. But to me, Brown is better than Metcalf. And to me, Smith is better than Lockett. And so it's going to be a good matchup for them on the outside. And Hertz is going to take his chances with Brown one-on-one. And so that's another part of it that's going to be interesting. I, I want to see if Dallas Goddard plays. Because to me, when Dallas Goddard plays, Philadelphia is a little bit of a different team because their RPO game really opens up to him. And when they can have him block, or is he blocking, is he not blocking, is Jalen running, or is Jalen going to just drop it off to him when they get that going, they could be a hard offense to stop. But I I mean, real honestly, the Niners' defense, now they're not the same defense as last year, but they did an excellent job against this offense last year. The game got away from them. It's hard to be down in a game where your offense is incapable of doing anything and then play defense, right? And they had some penalties that went against them. They were trying to make plays because they had to score on defense to win that game. That's how the score started becoming lopsided. But for the first, like, two and a half, three quarters of the game, the Niners' defense was very stout in that football game. They were physical enough. They held up at the line of scrimmage. They got run on as the game kept going because guys were trying to make plays. But to me... And the Niners defense did have success last year. They did make Hurt struggle last year. And I think they're fully capable of doing that again. I think Kansas City laid a blueprint out, excuse me. It's just, can you stop one tush push? Because those it's when the momentum starts going, when they get a fourth down with the tush push and Hurt starts running it and all of that. That's when I think the game gets away from them. And that's where I think the Niners are going to need some energy brought to this football game. Fred Warner can be inconsistent sometimes with not the energy he plays with, but how physical he's playing. This is a game where they're going to need him to set a strong physical tone early. Greenlaw sets a physical tone early. You're right about running the football. Now, I think where I disagree is I think that the rush attempts need to be high, but I don't think they can do it very successfully. It's about staying committed to it, unlike other teams have in the past against Philadelphia. But to me, Debo, McCaffrey, Trent Williams, you got to set a physical tone in this game as well. But like, yes, but also, like, the Eagles are not going to be scared. This isn't the Rams, right? You show a physical tone. You set that tone against the Rams or the Cowboys, and they back down. We've seen it time and time again. The Eagles are not going to do that. And that's another thing. But they haven't had that set on them by the Niners, right? That's where, like, yeah, the Niners oh, haven't played a close game, but the Eagles haven't had a team like the Niners jump up on top of them. They don't fear the Niners, though. No, they don't. but they, they haven't faced a team that can rush the passer like the Niners. The Niners aren't easy to come back on. I mean, Buffalo is missing half their defense right now. You derailed my train of thought. What was I going to say? You were talking about, we were going on about, hey, like, the Niners, the Eagles aren't going to be intimidated by the Niners. I'm not saying they're not going to be intimidated, but if you jump up on them, it's not like you can come back in every game by digging a hole deeper. And this is not a, I don't think the Niners are a team that you can dig yourself the hole that Philadelphia has been digging themselves into and pull yourself out of it. I don't think that's the team you do that against either. Maybe, but I don't want to put it to the test. Okay. Like I'm the, the Niners are built to avoid close games, right? 
they don't want it to come down to whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo can hit Emmanuel Sanders on the one play in the right. Super Bowl or whether or not Tart can hold on to an interception against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. The Niners' philosophy is, screw that. If we're up by three scores, it doesn't matter. We don't have to worry about that, right? I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And you know what the other thing is, Vish? You can't have these lulls. And the 49ers offense goes into lulls. You can't have a 47-yard third quarter in this game like you did last week. You can't do that. You got to be on it, foot on the gas all the time. That means no going into a shell, Kyle Shanahan, even if you're up by two scores. Forget that. That's the time to be greedy. All gas, no brakes, to quote an old friend, all right? I agree. Every time. Go for seven every time. Don't play for field goals. None of that garbage. If you get the ball back and there's 30 seconds left in the half and you have a timeout, no kneeling on it. Go for the throat. I agree. I agree there. Here, wait one second, because there's a wild comment I need to get on. Mike Monahan said, this just said the Eagles defense was awesome, which I did not say that. I said they had a very good run defense, which they do. And now he's saying they're suspect suspect because of injury. No, I said the Buffalo defense has half their defense injured. See, this this sometimes this annoys me in the comments when people purposely pick out things and they're not clearly not listening to the conversation and then they do this. So this is one that annoys me. Okay, and then two, I agree with you on jumping on the throat and the Niners can't have lulls. But here's my counter argument. Philadelphia has the same issue. You can't have a two for eight, 10 yard, whatever first quarter that Jalen Hurts had yesterday against the Bills. You can't do that against the 49ers defense and come back against them. And so that's where I I do think this is where the matchup to me is a little bit confusing because they have not faced a team like each other. For the Niners, the game script that works and that's worked all year, right, is they jump out ahead on teams and these teams just can't come back from that situation. Philadelphia is not that team. Even if they jump out two scores on Philadelphia, right, we have some confidence that with Philadelphia's talent and what they've shown, they can come back. They can make that a close game. They can rally into that football game at home, correct? But the same issue is that teams don't come back on the Niners. That's not happened this year. Once they put this two-score chokehold on you in the first half, it's kind of all she wrote, done and dusted. You and I start worrying about the show. You start drinking a couple (laughs) of blue moons, eating your bugles. That's the football game. Well, so that's where that's where to me, it's kind of an issue for Philadelphia, too, because this game script that they've been relying on, just like the game script the Niners have been relying on is a little suspect versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia's game script is a little suspect versus the Niners versus that pass rush. You're not going to just be able to say, OK, we're down 14, Jalen. Now you can bring us back. Jalen makes has made too many mistakes in terms of how he's played from the pocket where the Niners defense will capitalize on some of those mistakes. So to me, for both teams, we're talking about the same issue. It's not, hey, the Niners have this issue. But I do agree with your ultimate point in all of it, which is that the Niners need to go for the throat. They're on the road. They're on the road against a team that plays with nothing to lose. That's why they need to go for the throat, right? They're playing a team that will go for the throat. This, what we talked about, why Philadelphia is good in close games, Rob, I think it can't be highlighted enough that Sirianni's aggressiveness going forward on fourth down, the two-point conversions, all of those things help them in close games. They're stealing possessions back. Right. That's the thing. And Kyle doesn't recognize that. He does not understand that. Or he's just so scared of it not working out that he doesn't attempt it. 
but that's what part of what makes them so difficult to beat is that Sirianni does do that stuff. And I maintain that when he stopped doing that stuff, that's why they lost the Super Bowl against the Chiefs because they didn't go for it on fourth down. They kicked a stupid field goal. And uh, But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Well, I mean, similar example, right? Yesterday, Jacksonville and Houston, fourth and one, they kicked the field goal from the 30-yard line to make it 24-14, I think, at the time. That was one where you know Stroud is going to get the ball back twice. Right. You have confidence that you could get it back twice. You're not going for it on fourth down because you need to get the two-score lead. You go for it there on fourth down to steal time away from Stroud. So that's the little things. When we're talking about possessions versus points and stuff like that, Sirianni gives his team a real advantage because they're all committed to this idea of going for it in fourth qu- in, on fourth down and stuff like that. Yes, there's an element of luck when you're winning close games, but when you're aggressively giving yourself the best opportunity in every close game that you play to win it, and then you also have the more talented team, there's also a science behind you winning close games as well. And that's what exists for Philadelphia. And that's where I think your ultimate point in all of this, because I, do, I don't know exactly know how this game is going to play out because both these teams have played such varying game scripts. It could be grimy and grinded out. It could be a shootout in my mind. I could see both of those kinds of games happening. But I do agree with your overall point that regardless of what kind of game it is, the Niners need to have a sense of aggression because Philadelphia is going to leave Noah stoned unturned in terms of giving themselves an opportunity to win the game. 100%. And I don't think that Kyle is going to adjust. And that's that's going to make it harder for the 49ers to win. That's another reason to me why you want the Niners up by multiple scores, because Kyle's going to leave the door open for other teams to get back in the game. And the Niners... And look, I'm not saying, by the way, the Niners can't win this Dang, game. it's just Kyle. He's going to leave the door open for him? Yeah, he will. I mean, he does. But I'm not saying the Niners can't win this game by multiple scores. That's a thing that can happen, too. I want to fully acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But I think the point of people when they talk about the Niners winning close games and that kind of thing is you're. it's so rare what the 49ers are doing. It's so rare to have, what is it, five of your eight wins by multiple scores this year, something like that. I, I right, really right. Right. now I right, can't find right. it. Um, the Niners' average margin of victory is 12.73 points. That's yeah, second highest in the league, second to only the Dallas Cowboys. Only one out of their eight wins has been a one-score game, and that was stupid Sean McVay who kicked a field goal on the final play of the game. Like, that is so, <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. It's so rare in the NFL. You're not going to be able to do that to everybody. And if in the history of the NFL, you're not going to be able to do that to anybody. So that's why we keep talking about can you win the grimy game? Because eventually you're going to be in a game that you're not going to win by two scores. And I'm not saying Brock Purdy can't do it. I'm saying we have no evidence one way or the other. We just don't know. And we have plenty of evidence that shows that the Eagles and Jalen Hurts can do it. Um, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. The one thing I will say, the one stat that has me a little bit concerned is, okay, the 49ers in terms of first half, and this is where this kind of plays into their first half versus second half, okay? They're actually third in the NFL in terms of their, or not third in the NFL, excuse me. They're, I think they're fifth in the NFL. Let me just look it up right now for you. They're fifth in the NFL in terms of their second half scoring, okay? They average 12.5 points a game in the second half this year. Philadelphia's one at 14.8 points per game. So in terms of second half scoring, they're actually very effective. Now, here's where I get a little bit concerned about the 49ers versus Philadelphia in particular. In normal games, this game script is okay. Versus Philadelphia in particular, this is the big issue for me. So in first ha- in first in the first halves, okay, 
The 49ers are number one in the NFL because they possess the ball 56.24% of the time in the first half, which means in from the start of the first half to halftime, the Niners on an average game hold the ball for 56% of that half in the first half in the NFL. That's number one in the NFL, which means they outpossess teams in the first half by quite a bit. Philadelphia is seventh in the NFL in second half time of possession. They possess it 53.65% of the time in the second half. The Niners are 17th in terms of second half ball possessing, 49.78%. Now, we've seen a lot of these games, right? The Niners are up by two scores. Their defense now is dropping into softer zones. Yep. Teams are playing and they're taking these long, you know, slow drives and reticulating, not capitulating Will Levis, reticulating the ball down the field. Did you hear he said capitulating? No. Oh, he said we need to capitulate that. He, it's, yeah, he said we need to reticulate. And then he tweeted about it and apologized to all his English teachers. But they <laughs> reticulate the ball down the field, right? That's what Baker Mayfield was doing. But the the games aren't make it take it. The Niners do get the ball back in these second halves, and we've seen there's been big plays like the Kittle touchdown, the Ayuk touchdown. But there's also been these third quarters where you talk about three and out, three and out, three throws, and the team gets back, and their game is still kind of a game, and then it goes away in the fourth quarter, right? This is where it becomes problematic versus Philly, right? When you do have that, and you talked about it, they can't have this quarter lull. To me, you can't have short possessions once you have the lead versus Philly. Because right. I do think just the way the game has turned out so far in terms of how we've seen the Niners play, how we've seen um, the Eagles play, I think we all expect that the Niners will at some point have an early lead in this game. They're the fresher team. Philadelphia's played a lot of football. They have 10, 10 days of rest. I do think that given that Kansas City jumped out on them, given that Buffalo jumped out on them, I think the Niners will jump out on them as well. The question is, in that second half, when Philly starts rallying and coming back, which they will at home, like you said, there's no quit. They're not going to be intimidated by the Niners' lead. They're going to rally and come back. I, I'm not necessarily concerned on can the 49ers' offense hold the lead. That's not what I'm concerned about in terms of points. It's can they hold the ball? That's where the game is going to be won. The Niners offense with the lead, can they manage possessions? Because Philly will hold the ball at that point in the game, and the Niners kind of will want them to, right? They're playing against the clock. They want Philly to score rather slowly. So they're going to make them, as Will Levis said once again, matriculate the ball up the field instead of capitulate the ball up the field. The question is, when the Niners do get the ball back, can you avoid that three and out? Can you avoid that momentum shifting three and out? Because versus Philly, to me, that's backbreaking. It's not an issue of the Niners won't, don't score in the second half. They 100% do. They just don't possess the ball at the same rate in the second half. And that, to me, is where the game is going to come down. And there have been a lot of times with the 49ers where they have gone three and out when they needed a possession to chew right. up some of the time in the clock in the second half. And it's been extremely frustrating uh, I agree with you there. I want to get to this comment because this has been driving me nuts since the end of the Eagles-Bills game. Pern says, the Eagles can come back with the help of the refs. They're in Philly's pockets. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yes, there was a bad missed horse collar on Josh Allen. Yes, but you know what? That number one doesn't take the Bills off the hook for everything that happened after that. And number two, it's not like bad calls don't happen to the Eagles. We don't remember them. Why? Because they find a way to win the game anyway. We only care about that horse collar, which, by the way, was in the second quarter in the game because the Bills ended up losing. That's why we care about it. And it was egregious. Come on, Rob. We care because it was egregious, too. Great. 
does that mean that the bill? So that means the Bills should have had the field goal blocked too. No, right? Does that mean that David Davis should have turned the wrong way in overtime when yeah. the ball is floating in the air, just waiting for him to catch it and win the game? No, the refs. No, are not but, but it doesn't mean block. those two things. But we could all agree it was a terrible call, right? I'm still hung right. up on the Rams going to the Super Bowl in 2018. That didn't mean that Drew Brees didn't get the ball first in overtime. He didn't right. turn it over. All of those things didn't happen. But I'm still pissed about that call. Bad calls happen. Get over it. Like, stop it. And stop with this whole, the refs are in the Eagles' pocket. I don't care if there was a penalty disparity. I don't care. The refs are not in anyone's pocket. I don't care that Larry Kruger plagiarized the tweet from Warren Sharp. Yeah, I'm going out. With the Sean Hockley tweet? Yes. That that was interesting stuff, wasn't it, though? No. I would love those kind of statistics. What? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. I'm sorry. 4-0 with the referee. Come on, Rob. That's good stuff. That's right there for the betting people. The Eagles. Uh, do not, Rob, let me ask you this. Rob, Rob, let me ask you this. When you see Chris Paul is playing in a basketball game and you know Scott Foster is refing in that basketball game, do you not immediately go to the books and you go to your FanDuel account and say, whoever they're playing against, slam them? I've seen referees in the NBA go to jail for fixing games, okay? I haven't seen that true, in the NFL. True. So different sport, okay? And you know why the Eagles are 4-0 in those games? Because the Eagles are like 32-8 and in their last yeah. 40. Yeah, that's, that's also why. There. That's also there. That's Stop also there. 100%. It. No, no, no. I, I do agree with you. But I, I, I'm not going to also not say it's not an element of it. I do think it's an element of it. The irony of all of it to me oh, wait, what is that last saying? year the season ended with everybody complaining about how the refs were against the Eagles and for the Chiefs right. because of the James Bradbury hold. So it's, it's the 180 is just stunning to me. That's my point. That is exactly my point. Thank you. Are they for the Eagles or are they not for the Eagles? Make up your mind. I just, I, I hate that. It drives me nuts. There are going to be bad calls. Bad calls happen all the time. I don't want to be pointing to that. I really don't. Regardless of what happens on Sunday. Like it, it frustrates me. I don't think I, the refs are in the pocket of the Eagles. I, By the way, I hope we get the kind of crew that just keeps the flag inside. Let these two teams play. We're talking I, about the two biggest, most physical teams. Call the game when it needs to be called. But don't be in there calling all the ticky-tacky stuff, trying to control the game early, calling this hold and this hold, because then you're going to create issues when you decide not to call holding and let the game flow later in the second half. So let them play. If it's obvious and egregious, call it. It's I. It's the best way I've ever seen NFL games being ref. But unfortunately, even the obvious stuff sometimes gets missed. In the case of Josh Allen, I I don't like that at all. Enforce you don't like that? No. Enforce the rules. If there's a penalty, call it. None of this. Well, unless it's unless they really break the rules, then where's that line, right? So I can go. Because, 16 but but, but here, go. here's my issue, right? Because you can set precedents in terms of how you're calling a game, right? And if you start right. calling it ticky tacky early, and then you let it go late, which I see referees often do in big games like this, it creates well. How was that not a penalty in the first quarter, but it was a penalty later? And so that's where like. If you're going to let the little nip and tug holding go late in the game when A.J. Brown starts pushing off and you're going to let that go late in the game, then let Mooney Ward play the whole game. Agreed. Don't call flag on him early and then, oh, Agreed. and later in the game when they're starting to push and shove each other, we're not going to call it. Consistency. You want consistency. Exactly. And I agree with that 100%. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see what the Eagles are saying about this game because there seems to have been a message, Vish, from someone Jed York, Kyle Shanahan, I assume Kyle Shanahan, that basically don't bring up last year. It's this game this week because we've said we've seen Ayuk 
say it. We've seen Trent Williams say it already. We've seen Debo say it already. Hey, it's not about last year. It's about this year. It's about this week, this Sunday. So I'm surprised to see that that sort of edict has come down from the Niners. And I wonder if it's the same way for the Eagles this week. I'm I I I am wondering the same exact thing, but I, I will say I'm glad that edict exists for the Niners. I think last year is done. In fact, I thought we talked too much about last year, even lingering into the offseason too much. Now Me there too. were a lot of questions asked about it, but questions also prompted answers that continued conversation. So there were there were multiple mistakes on it. So I think I'm glad because honestly, Rob, I, in the NFL, the one thing I've learned watching it year after year is that every year is really brand new. Everything that you did the year before, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's just your past. It's your resume. It's part of your legacy. But today, that doesn't matter and doesn't impact what's going to happen tomorrow. And so I'm glad that there's not a focus on that because that, that game really didn't end up happening, right? Purdy got hurt five plays into the game. There's not too much that if you're the Niners offense, you can take away. Now, there, I'm sure there's some things they saw and noticed but they didn't really get to feel that game out the best way they wanted to because they couldn't throw the ball. I mean, even with Josh Josh Johnson, they basically couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> right. And, and then their defense was kind of put into a game script where all the things that they may have had success with, they couldn't fully see into. So I, I think this is a brand new year. It's a brand new game. This is a different 49ers team in some ways. This is a different Eagles team in some ways. I think it's just the lingering animosity of, hey, we didn't get to see these two juggernauts play last year, and we're going to be able to see that this year. But in terms of who they are and what the matchup is, it's brand new to me. It's a different Philly game, too, by the way. Philly was coming into that game steamrolling everybody. They were not this team that was winning close games last year. Right. Yeah, they were dominating people with their friggin' 70-sack defensive front. Um, right. How much success do you think Nick Bosa and company will have against this Eagles offensive line, which is very good. Now, I know Lane Johnson's a little banged up. He was a, a surprising scratch. But he always plays, doesn't he? Against Seems Swinney. like he's yeah. there, you know, false starting his heart out. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think that, I mean, if there was ever a game where the Niners need Bosa and Chase Young and Armstead and Hargrave to step up, it's this game. Do you think they're going to be able to do it? I think so. I think Bosa, Chase Young are going to come to play. Chase Young has been pretty successful versus the Eagles, but you know what I think more, Rob? I think this game is going to come down to how well Armstead and Javon Hargrave and Javon Kinlaw and those guys play. I, I felt like a lot of why they got Javon Hargrave was what happened in the second half of that Philly game when their defensive line started to not get the same interior push that they you know needed. And they got a fully healthy Armstead in this game who's having the best season, in my opinion, of his career, arguably. He's been kicking, but he's probably been the 49ers' most consistent defensive player from week one to now in terms of his performance. And then you have Hargrave, who's been up and down this year. I guess he was dealing with that knee issue. The last few weeks, he's fully back to living up to the signing that the 49ers paid for him, right? Um, and so... Um, I, I think that that's really where the matchup is. And whether those guys have success to me is what the game's going to come down to. Because if you can get the 49ers linebackers clean and you can get Dre Greenlaw a couple of good licks and get a couple of good collisions with him and Jalen Hurts and stuff like that, I think you can really muck up this game and turn it into a different style game for this Eagles offense. And the thing with this Eagles offense, and this is where I hate the matchup for Dallas, is Dallas is a fast team. 
they are, but they, they shock teams with their team speed and their speed kind of leads to their physicality, but they don't have like a power or strength to them. And they don't have a size on the inside of their defense to give issues to Philadelphia. The 49ers have that more between Kinlaw, between Givens, who's played very well the last couple of weeks, Hargrave, who's been playing well. And then of course, Eric Armstead, who I said has been excellent. Those are the good that that's where the game is going to come down. And Rob, I think they're going to have success. I think the 49ers defensive line is going to have success in this football game. The question is, do you think the 49ers offensive line will hold up on the other side? And do you think the 49ers defensive line is going to have success? Cause I do. I hope they're going to be able to get, get pressure on Jalen hurts. I really do. I think he's turning the ball. I don't think I know he is turning the ball over more than last year, a little bit. And I think if you can put him into swing too, yeah, right. Maybe early where you can get some turnovers. And that's the other point I want to make. You have to, have to, have to cash in on turnovers, especially with touchdowns. Forget field goals. If it's fourth and one, forget the field goal. Go for it. And don't necessarily have to run it. You can pass it on fourth and one, too. But you have to cash in with touchdowns on turnovers, Vish. And that's something the Niners have not done after the bye week. They have gotten seven turnovers. In the three games since the bye week, they have a combined 17 points off of those turnovers. They have only scored three times off of the seven turnovers that they have gotten. That is not going to be good enough. You get turnovers in this game, you got to cash it in with seven. We talked about stealing possessions. That's what we're talking about, stealing Mm -hmm. those kind of points. Mm-hmm. And it's usually it's not really affected them, right? Not scoring off of these turnovers. They had issues yeah. with it against Jacksonville and somewhat against Seattle. Not, I think they scored on two of the turnovers versus the Bucks. But um, they've had either way that the the details of it is kind of irrelevant. The issue exists, right? And they've had this issue. The reason it hasn't come to really bite them in the butt is because. They have these long drives on non-turnover drives, and then they right. follow it up with a three and out, and they then have this huge lead, which allows them to play from in front. But I agree with you, especially when Philadelphia t- seems to turn the football over early in games. When the Niners jump out on teams, I feel like sometimes they jump out, but the game could be already done when they jump out. Like They'll be up 10-0 in a game that they've been dominating thoroughly and probably should be 14-0, but they made one mistake, like one false start, one holding penalty, one yep. small error that bumps everything back and ruins that entire thing. Um, that that those are the little things that you can't do against Philadelphia. But in the inverse, like Philadelphia's got a lot of things they need to clean up early in football games against this football team too. And that's again, Rob. That's where this matchup just confuses me. Both of these teams play two completely different game scripts. And it's like, which game script is this game going to come down to, in your opinion? That's that's what I, I'm unable to figure out right now. Will it be this game that the 49ers and the Eagles have been playing where the Niners jump out on teams early and Philadelphia gets jumped out on early? Then will the Niners be able to hold Philadelphia coming back because they've made mistakes with other teams coming back, but the other teams have never been good enough to come back on them? But then Philadelphia has also made so many mistakes to go early in ball games down early in ball games, and then they've had some things happen for them to come back. Well, those things usually don't happen against the Niners. What is the game script of this game? It, th- here's the thing, though. The 49ers this year have only won in one game script. The Philadelphia Eagles have won in multiple game scripts this year. So that's what worries me. It's like the Niners are like the Avengers in, in 
uh, with Doctor Strange, right? How many scenarios did you see? 35 bazillion. How many did we win? One. That's the 49ers. They got their one scenario. And if they don't get it, they lose. I mean, that Cowboys game is a perfect example, right? That Cowboys game is 21-10 Niners after the first possession of the second half. Dallas kicks a field goal on the first possession in the second half. 21-10. A comfortable lead by the Niners, but not a blowout by any stretch. And if Dallas scores a touchdown, they're right back in the game. What happens? Niners score a touchdown. Dallas interception. Niners score a touchdown. Dallas interception. Niners score a touchdown. Dallas interception. That's how that game gets to be Mm 42-10. When you get Mm -hmm. the extra possession, you're adding seven. That's how you blow them out. And that's what the Niners need to do against the Eagles if they get an extra possession. I 100% agree. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, how will the rain factor in? Uh, I just checked. It says it's not. I don't think it's going to be raining as heavily as it was on Sunday. It was it was really come down at points in that game on Sunday. But there does look like there's some rain in the forecast, Vish. And what do we know about Brock Purdy in the rain? There we go. My number one question. It's not will he come back. It's not can he play in a close game. It's not can he do this in this moment, in that moment, or in this particular moment. If we put him in this situation, can he do that? I can't answer the question. You can't answer the question. But I'm going to ask the question anyway so that we can all sit here and be like, can he do that? No. None of that. I I don't give a crap about all of those hypotheticals. But we have seen him throw the wet football, and he has not thrown the wet football effectively in his career. He struggled early in the Seattle wildcard game when the ball was wet. And then versus Cleveland, especially when the rain came and the ball got wet, he had issues gripping the football. And it's the most erratic game I've ever seen him play in terms of his accuracy. Mm -hmm. It's the only bad game he's played, in my opinion, this year. That's where I'm worried. It's not even, Rob, I'm not nervous if the game has the rain it had versus Buffalo because I, it's not just a little bit of rain. It's the ball being wet, right? The early Seattle game, the rain before the game, the field was wet, but it wasn't really raining at the start of that game. It was kind of drizzling and then it kind of sunny. It was kind of not, it wasn't sunny, but it didn't rain for the rest of the game. But the ball being wet affected Brock Purdy. And so that to me is a question mark. That's the one question mark about him. And he played in Iowa State. He's played in weather, but he's not shown that he's consistently throwing a wet NFL football well so far. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, you got to go the Peyton Manning route. Start. They don't practice it though. Remember they asked him this question because he says, he says that they don't practice it because he doesn't want it to get into the head of the players that they're playing with the wet football or something. So it doesn't third. It's that's such a dumb thing. Like Kyle, you're going to be in the rain. You're going to be in the rain, but you know what, Brock? Great. Do it after practice. That's fine. Get the football, dunk it after practice, get, Jennings, get whoever to run routes with you. you Rob Purdy it. seems like the kind of guy, though, that would be doing that kind of stuff, doesn't he? Well, uh, let's find out. I'm yeah. not going to assume. Let's freaking okay, fair enough. Out. Fair enough. Fair but enough. You again, got me there. You like, got me there. That goes back to the game script thing, right? Oh, well, we need Niners need perfect weather. We got to have all our guys. Nobody, we can't have anybody hurt. If any, if one guy's out, the whole offense falls apart. We got to have perfect weather. We can't turn the ball over. We can't have any penalties. Then we're going to be awesome. But if all those conditions are not met, they struggle. And the Eagles are the complete opposite. We don't care if it's raining. We don't care if if Lane Johnson's there. We don't care if all the weapons are there. We don't care if Jalen Hurts has 33 yards in the first half. We'll come back and win it. We're good. We're good. Yeah. But they also put themselves in situations where they can't be good and be okay with that, right? Like the Niners also do this. They do the opposite of the Eagles, right? 
They get up on you early, and then they make all of these mistakes, and this is what happened during the five-game win streak, right? They talked about it during the losing streak. Shanahan said, we were winning, but I didn't feel like we were playing well. He was really referring to the second halves of those football games when they would jump ahead, and then they would make all of these small mistakes, but the game score was – there was such a large discrepancy in the game score that it wouldn't matter. Right. But they, why wouldn't it matter? We're good. We're ahead. We're way ahead in this football game. So it's the same issue, I, I would say. It's just the inverse of the issue. Philadelphia lets you get ahead, and they make all these mistakes, and they're able to run you down. The Niners get ahead, and then they make all these mistakes, and you can't run them down. Hey, Glass City, if you think all I do is complain, you're feel free to leave, dude. If you don't like it, sorry. This is what this is what you get, okay? Sorry I talk about the team this way. If you don't like it, get the hell out. What? That's all I could tell you. I mean, I'm pointing out things about the team. These are facts. I'm sorry you don't like the facts, okay? Like, cry me a river. over feelings. Hashtag. Oh, God. These are the facts, as they say, and they are not in dispute. Bald Eagle says, Rob is the least delusional 49ers fan. Have Let's a feeling go. I Look know who that. they root for. Just throwing that out there. Least delusional 49ers fan, Rob Guerrero. Uh, what? Example against the Seahawks last week. Niners are up by two scores, right? Everything's going good. They get the Seahawks to punt, and Ray Ray McLeod fumbles the punt return. If Seahawks get that ball back, they can drive down, get a quick touchdown. They're right back in the game. But mm-hmm. Niners recovered the fumble, so they didn't have to face it. But, like, these are the mistakes that they are making in critical moments that haven't really burned them so far outside of the three-game losing streak, but can burn them on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. But I, I will say, I will say the one narrative that I, I wanted to bust today, Rob, in, in this entire show, because I 100% agree with mistakes on both sides, the deferring game scripts. We went through all of that. Is that to me, Philadelphia's advent, advantage in close games is 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 also opportunistic, and that that's the one thing that I I, I feel like you also really mentioned with the Niners needing to be aggressive. Like, I don't just look at it as, okay, these four things happened. That's why Philadelphia won. That had nothing to do with Philadelphia. That's part of what happens in every close game. But how do you maximize opportunity in every close game? And Philadelphia does that, man, with this fourth down, this tush push, all of that. Every time, because they have the most talent on the field and then they're so aggressive, they're able to give themselves the best opportunity in close games. And that's where if this game does get close late, it's, it's not a Brock Purdy question mark to me. It's not a question mark of anything except the guy that, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of. It's Shanahan. Will you match that aggression? Will you give your team the same opportunity Sirianni is going to? Because guess what? They're committed. They don't need feel of the football game. As a team, they know what they're doing in those situations. They know what they're doing. They know how they're doing it. They know what their identity is. They don't need a feel of second and one is third and one, but then third and one, you lose half a yard. So now it's actually fourth and one and a half, which is not fourth and one. So therefore you have to punt. They don't have those kinds of problems. That's where this question game is going to come down to Shanahan, in my opinion, as much as I, you know, probably refrain from criticizing the guy because I like him. Um, and I'm happy he's a fan of my team or the coach of my team. But to me, like the conversation is going to be Brock Purdy. It's going to be redundant about Brock Purdy. I, I'm not very concerned about Brock Purdy in this game. I think if they protect Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy is going to dice this secondary. He's going to have advantage. He's going to have opportunities to take advantage of it. But, but will you match their aggression? Will you match what they're going to do? Because they know what they're doing. They he know won't. what they're going to do. He won't, Vish. Like we, 
the facts. This is year seven now of Kyle Shanahan. We know this is what he is. And I think he uses that, by the way. I love that you put that phrase in there. Oh, feel of the game. He uses that as an excuse. Like, he doesn't do it. He doesn't believe in it. He is an old school coach in a new school coach's body. Like, he's raised in the Gruden, Mike Shanahan, loss averse culture. Like, he's not going to go for it on fourth down. We've seen it. He's had how many opportunities now to do it? And he's not going to do it. Uh, I would love it if he did. He, he he to be fair, he has done it a little more this year than in the past. But I, I think he's going to say, and maybe Sirianni's aggressiveness gets Kyle to do it because well, maybe well, Kyle- that's the question, right? You're going to have to match it. That's what if it's a close game, Rob. They're going to have to match it because the reason they win close games is because every they talked about it. We just need to get nine yards and then we'll push push you to death up the field. It's unstoppable. It really is. It's frustrating. Like. It's frustrating, but also like I, I don't support the people that say ban it. I don't like banning things because other people are too good at them. I'm not on board with that. We didn't ban threes because Steph and Clay started making them at a rate we've never seen before, right? Like, no. The goal is you got to prevent them from getting in those situations. That's the only way to stop it. Uh, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, I'm not a huge ref guy, but Sunday was egregious. A lot of people have been saying that, Keith. You were yeah, not yeah. Sunday was egregious. I'm 100% with you on that. And I don't like Sean Hockley anyway, so if he's getting criticized, I'm never going to defend him. Sorry, Sean. Keith says, hope those refs aren't in Philly this week. Actually, I don't know. Have they have they decided the crews yet? I'd be interested to see who the crews are. Wouldn't it be a slap in the face if it's like Bill Vinovich? Oh, man. I still have a personal vendetta on Bill Vinovich. You know why? How does the guy who blows the second time I'm referring to it, the 2018 Rams Saints call, how is he refereeing the 2019 Super Bowl a year after? You explain that one to me, Rob. It's not ideal. Uh, Glass City says it played in the 2019 Super Bowl, by the way, just just so you know why I'm salty. Don't. Don't bring that game to me ever. Uh, Glass City says if Kyle had the tush push, he would go for it like Sirianni. Kyle has, like, I actually liked some of his fourth and short play calls this year. He had that play where Kittle came in motion across the formation and then just goes out right in the flat for a short completion. I loved the option play that they ran for the first touchdown against uh, Seattle, where you've got McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield, and Brock has a choice to either give it to Debo on the handoff or he can shovel it to McCaffrey. Like, I thought that Kyle did a little bit of the creative play calling that hopefully, like, if you are going to go for it on fourth down, you're doing that stuff, not just let me run it right up the middle with our crappy interior offensive line against the other team when they're expecting a run. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and to be fair to him this year, he has been more aggressive mm-hmm. on fourth down than he's ever been before. But I, I don't think it's just a tush push, right? Because the tush push has kind of come together at the end of last year and the start of this year. It's, it's a mindset. Philadelphia as an organization is committed to this. It's a mindset with how they draft. They're analytically driven. Doug Peterson wrote a book for called Fearless, for Christ's sakes. And this was before the tush push was even invented. They're built on this backbone. This is their identity. This is They know who they are. The tush push is just part of that identity because they know who they are built around the character, the running, and the will of their quarterback, right? To me, Jalen Hurts' number one skill is his short yardage running, whether it's in the red zone or <laughs> like whether it's Garoppolo. in this. It's it's. It's his running, though. He's the runner. He's a special runner. 
But I don't. Jimmy think Jimmy G was just a good hander offer. Jimmy <laughs> no, G was an elite quarterback sneaker. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that. Right, I forgot that. Jalen Hurts is running is much more than just a quarterback <laughs> sneak. Right, he's a phenomenal red zone runner within the ten yard line and all of that. But I, I think the bigger thing with that is we talked about it with the Niners, right? Like the Minnesota game, second and one, third and one. The Cincinnati game, second and one, third and one. They they don't necessarily they're not able to get that one yard when they need to running the football. They don't have that full identity that Philadelphia has. It's not just a feel thing. It's an organizational commitment to we're going to be aggressive. We're going to be like this. They do that regardless. They're successful doing it now, but they're not just doing it because they're successful. Well, that they are doing it because they're successful. Obviously, if you're not going to be successful, you're going to change it. They are doing it because they're successful, but they're also fully committed to it, win or lose. They're not worried about the result. They're committed to this process. Right. The Niners aren't committed to an aggressive or non-aggressive process. They're connected to. They're committed to the feelings of their coach. The difference is the Eagles' game plan is to put themselves in those situations, and the Niners' entire game plan is to avoid those situations. Right. They right. want to avoid third down. They want to avoid short yardage. The Eagles are comfortable in those spots, but I wonder if they would be as aggressive if they didn't have this sort of super play. That well, that that's why. Works. That's where I brought up the Doug Peterson example. Yeah, but he's Two gone. Years, but they were. But as an organization, I'm just saying, like identity wise, like who was Nick Sirianni? Right, we didn't know anything about him other than he was Frank Reich's receivers coach, and they hired him. Like to me, this mindset is an organizational mindset. Sirianni just represents it. No, that's a fair point. Uh, Jay Cruz. Because I think the next coach would be, if they're committed to this, that they're going to be analytically aggressive, this is how they're going to be, I, I'm sure the next coach is going to follow that as well. Jay Cruz says, the real question is, what color vest will Rob wear on Sunday? I wore two vests on the show last week. Apparently, it really? started, started a stir. It's winter wow. here on the East Coast. Don't forget, I'm in Connecticut, people. Oh, all right? Guys in Connecticut, he's complaining. It's 22 degrees in Chicago today, man. Chicago is also very cold. Uh, that's true. But most of our listeners are not in cold weather places. So I'm wearing, I've been wearing sweatshirts, you know, since like October. By the way, sweatshirt weather, Rob, for somebody who's in it, sweatshirt weather is the best weather. Mm, I can't disagree with you. I saw um, a post by one of the Niners beat writers that said Lane Johnson is not going to play. Do we oh, know really? that for sure? Because I don't I think didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't even, I didn't, was God, what about Goddard? Has Goddard been ruined out too then? Does anybody I, know that? I heard that Goddard's going to push to play. So, but I mean, who knows what that means? I don't yeah, know. What is that? I don't know what that means either. I don't know what that means, but um, we'll find out. But anyway, it's going to be a fantastic game. I'm so excited for it. I I hope that the Niners don't make it their Super Bowl because now that the Eagles won on Sunday, it doesn't mean as much as it would. If the Eagles had lost, they were playing for the number one seed. They're not doing that now. Regardless of what happens Sunday, the Eagles are going to be the number one seed in the conference. To me, it's more important that the Niners, okay, you didn't get the one seed. You got to get the two. You get the you two. You think the Eagles will be the one seed regardless? They will be. If what happens if Philly loses and then Philly loses to Dallas? Well, I said, hold on. I said Sunday we're talking. Sunday. If the Niners win on Sunday, the Eagles are still the one seed at that oh, point. Okay, 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 okay. You were just saying at the next Sunday. That's my yes. mistake. I misunderstood that. You can still shoot for the number one seed if you're the Niners, but to me, you got to make sure you're no lower than two. Because... But the confidence, right? Even if they are the one seed of knowing you already went in there and you can go in there and beat them. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing this 49ers team does not lack for, it's confidence, right? Like they think they can beat anybody anywhere, anytime. And I think so too. 
if they play their best for all 60 minutes. And they've only done that once this year. And it was against the Cavs. This has some early 2000s and Eagles Bucks rivalry Ooh, vibes. Sean King on the Bucks. Yeah. Maybe I should maybe I should hit up. I know Sean. Sean's a good dude. Maybe I should get him on the show. Uh Keith Murphy the unbeaten says Lane is not officially out. I didn't think so either. Um Did you did, do you know real quick, do you know if Tampa Bay when they actually beat them in 02 did they beat them in Philadelphia? Do you know that as a uh, Sean King's friend? I think they did beat them in Philadelphia. Okay. I think. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But do you think okay. – uh, now, see, now you made me lose my question. I yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. I, I have a question for you then if you don't, if you don't remember it. your question. Oh, did you okay. see the Niners are favored? Now it's up to two and a half. They're favored on the road against a team that's 10 and 1. Is Vegas just begging you to take the eagle? Like I'm stunned that the line is this high, and it's it's fluctuated back and forth, but now it's up to Niners by two and a half, almost a field goal on the road, Vish. I mean, if you were ever going to take the Niners, I mean Philly coming off of two very difficult games against two preseason Super Bowl contenders, mm-hmm. and then they're I mean it is at home, but the Niners ten days of rest traveling cross country, fully rested, fully healthy, fully healthy, ready to go. Trent Williams gets more time for that ankle, which is always better. Like this is the game. Like when you put it on paper, like there's a lot of advantages here from the NFL schedule makers for the Niners. And so if you were to pick them, yeah, this would be the game. But it's shocking to me that a 10 and one team in any capacity is a home dog. Like at the worst case, like to me, to me, this would be like favoring the Niners if the game was a home pick them, right? Or if Eagles were favored by three and a half, which is like standard. Because that that's just like, okay, you are favoring the Niners, but you're giving the Eagles the 10 and one respect. Right here, you're just putting the line out and saying, yeah, like, yeah, they're 10 and one, but they're not the best team here. And I should point out close quarter says odds makers opened it at Niners by one and a half. Sharks bet the Niners to 2.53. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I did Dang. open it one and a half. Um, honestly, like maybe at this point, it's not the time to bet on this game because you're getting the worst possible price, considering that, like he said, the, the smart money has already come in, but I just, I don't know. I would take the Eagles just because they're getting points and they're at home and they, if the game is close, they're going to win it. Right. Like, do you have any doubt if the game is close, the Eagles are going to win? Yeah. You have doubt or you think they're yeah. going to win? Yeah, I have doubt. You do. I'm because, surprised because, because it's a close game, right? What if Phillies, what if the Niners go up two scores early and then it's just a game where Philly's always trying to run them down. And mm-hmm. it ends up being close where Philly's running them down, trying to tie the game, but they run out of time running them down. Like that's a close game to me that the Niners would win. If it's possession by possession where we're going down the stretch, who ends up like like how the Bills game turned out, how the Chiefs game turns out, where we're going to score, you're going to score late. We're going to score, you're going to score late. Let's see, let's see who ends up scoring more here at the end. Well, Philly's one game after game like that the Niners haven't. So I, I, I like to stick with precedence there. But there is a close style game that the Niners want. But that leads me to my two questions for you. Okay. One, if I come next week and you and I are doing our show on Monday and the Niners won the football game, Rob Guerrero will say it's because they did. Did not turn the football over. They protected the ball. I think if, if the Niners don't turn the ball over, they can win this game. If they turn it over, 
especially because if they turn it over, you know the Eagles are going for it on fourth down. <laughs> so I, think- I, I see, I see this year, this time, Rob taken aback by my question, went for the standard Jimmy Garoppolo. They're fast and they fly around. Don't turn the ball over. Win the turnover battle. All right, give fine. me something, Rob. Give me something. All right, Vish. I know you have an answer ready to go, which is why you asked me. So tell them. No, wh- no, I do not. I do not. I just wanted to ask you. Because I don't know. I don't know, Rob. I don't I don't have a good feel for how this game is going to play out because both these teams have played s- such different style of games that I don't think will work against each other. If the Niners play their best, their absolute best, and the Eagles play their absolute best, the Niners should win. I think the Niners are the best team in football if they play their best. I don't care about anybody else's best. Ravens, Chiefs, whoever. To me, if they both play their best, the Niners should win. I don't know if the Niners will play their best for all 60 minutes. That's the key. I don't know. So I this second question was going to be phrased differently, but I don't want to put the bad juju out there, so I'm not going to say it. I'm going to phrase it differently now. What are you, con- instead of asking when we come back on Monday, blah, 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 I'm not going to put those words out there. What are you concerned about? We've talked about a lot of different things. I think we kind of know what you're concerned about, but give me, like, the number one thing that on Monday, like, if you say – or on Sunday when you do your post game and you've had blue moons and bugles during the game, right? You've sat in your office, you got away from the family, you had your blue moons and bugles. You come back here on Monday and you said, I told you, I said you should have been concerned with that. The Niners were not looking out for that. What is that thing that's going to make Rob say, I told you so, and make him that much more upset if the Niners blank in that fashion? The thing that's going to make me that much more upset is not going forward on fourth down, for sure, 100%. Because the the better your opponent, the more aggressive you should be on fourth down. And the 49ers patently reject that. They don't they don't agree. Kyle doesn't do it. And it's incredibly frustrating, especially because on the other side, we're gonna see a team that does it. So that's really gonna make the blood vessel in my head burst. Uh Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says <laughs> 92 snaps, huge disadvantage. Yes, it is. Huh, they have played uh over an hour and twelve minutes on the field, just the defense. The last two weeks, Glass City says, Rob, I'm curious, is your reservation of a Niners win based on your lack of trust for Kyle Shanahan or how the team plays? More so my lack of trust in Kyle Shanahan, honestly, especially like because you know how it's going to be. Vish. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Niners do make a mistake early. Kyle's going to pucker up on the sideline. The crowd's going to be going nuts. Uh, Jason Kelsey just said the Eagles had to go silent count on the last Mm -hmm. drive. And that's part of the reason why he false started twice because the crowd was, it was so crazy there that they had to go silent count. So if the Niners have a stumble early, I think Kyle's just going to go into his shell. He's going to go, Oh my God, we can't have another stumble. We can't lose it. We can't go down by two scores. And so I, I think it's my lack of trust in Kyle, even though I love Kyle, I love him. But this is something that I have noticed with him, especially the bigger the game. Rob, 100% agree with you. I'm biggest Kyle Shanahan fan. I feel like probably on this platform, I probably defend him even at times. Maybe that he shouldn't be defended, and I probably fail to criticize him at times. He probably should be criticized, okay? But I'm 100% with you. I think some of the narratives that will be spilt over this game about Brock Purdy are unfair and uncalled for. I don't think this is a Brock Purdy question mark in this game. I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be totally fine. To me, it's a question mark of Kyle Shanahan. What's your team's identity in a game like this? Because the number one thing to me Philly has going, and I can't reiterate it enough, so it's the fourth time I'll reiterate it in the show, is that they give themselves the best advantage to win in close games because of their aggressiveness. Yes, close games are hard to win. 
But if you give yourself mathematically the best opportunity to win something that's hard to win, you can maximize your opportunity to win it. And the Niners' entire philosophy, as you mentioned, is avoiding it. And in the case that they are in that situation, I'm not worried about Purdy. I'm not worried about this defense. I'm worried about will Shanahan be aggressive enough to beat that football team because we know that they will be as aggressive as can be. Mars, the 49er, says, what happens if the Niners blow out the Eagles? What will the narrative be? Well, first of all, if the Niners blow out the Eagles, the narrative is going to be put them in the Super Bowl. Like that, I think, because for better or worse, there are going to be people that whatever the outcome of the game is, they're going to say, see, that's what would happen in the NFC Championship game, too, especially if the Niners win because it's in Philadelphia, just like last year was in Philadelphia. And they had won 10 straight games going into that playoffs, too. So if the Niners blow out the Eagles, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they do, the narrative is going to be, that's it. They're the best team because they would have blown out the Eagles. They would have blown out the Cowboys. They would have blown out the Jags. They're going to play the other, the number one seed in the AFC on Christmas. Like it might be like a coronation if the Niners blow out the Eagles. If they blow them out, it's like when Seattle came into San Francisco in 2002. 12 and why do San Francisco went to Seattle in 2012 and got 42 to 13 put on them like one of those moments where it's like oh like the guard has changed in the NFC like there's a bigger bully than that other team yeah why why do I always go to heartbreak moments in 49ers is that what you were gonna ask you want to talk about the Super Bowl in 2012 too should we bring that up well I mean Rob default my 49ers memories are just those things I feel like all the good moments they're there they're sometimes there to reminisce on, but the bad ones, like I, I remember that trauma. It's trauma to me, Rob. It's trauma. Keith Murphy is back. He says, the thing I'm worried about most is protein sting, Brock. I'm assuming protecting. Yeah. But I think he also is worried about his quarterback's protein content. Who knows how much, what he was eating on that farm, you know? <laughs> well, he's eating turkey. I saw him all eating the turkey on the field in Seattle, which apparently Christian McCaffrey said after the game was really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, they look like they were enjoying it. J. Cruz says, Vish, you're still traumatized. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason Tillman brings up a good point. If Brock has a good game against the Eagles, his MVP candidacy is going to go through the roof. It should already exist, by the way, just because of how they do the award. I I still think the MVP of the 49ers is Christian McCaffrey. But if you're going to do best player, best team on the award, then he, he's he got to be a part of the conversation. He's covering every threshold that every other MVP has covered or MVP candidate. And so you can't just look at the name and decide, okay, he's not going to be an MVP candidate because we don't want to when you've done something religiously a certain way for so long. And in the case of Hertz, by the way, that's that's his entire resume is because of that. He does not, he's not having a typical MVP season numerically. He's having an MVP season because he's the quarterback on the team that's playing the best. Currently, and he's coming from behind. That yeah, that that's part of it too. Oh, I like this comment. Uh, yeah, I saw that too. That was Diego funny. says nobody. Vish, remember Kyle Williams? <laughs> Kenny Williams was also, I think, the manager of the White Sox at the general time. manager. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of bad memories to that family for me. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about twenty. 20- 12 i don't want to talk about 2011 i don't want to talk about 2019 we're here in 20 i don't want to talk about 2022 it's 2023 for another few weeks it's niners it's eagles in philadelphia i already think the niners can uh have locked up the nfc west but even more so this week because 
Seattle plays Dallas on Thursday, which I expect Dallas to win that game. So if Seattle loses again and the 49ers beat the Eagles, it doesn't matter what happens the week after that against Seattle. The Niners will have the division on lockdown. A hundred percent agree. And by the way, I do think because the game is so monumental and these two teams are facing each other, I want to add one caveat too. Regardless of what the result is of this game, I don't know that it necessarily means anything that much more to the playoffs other than they won in that particular matchup. Yep. I really look at both of these teams and I think they're good enough where if the if if the I'm not I'm not gonna if the Niners have the not so great result at Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah, to me it doesn't affect like oh now the Niners can't go to the Super Bowl, they can't win there. No, I don't think that's the case at all. That's a one-off football game that Philadelphia won. Yes. And then if Philadelphia loses to the Niners, we've talked about some of the scheduling advantages the Niners have coming into this game. I, I don't know that that necessarily means, yep, the Niners, if they have to go into Philadelphia again, they're going to just go in there and be able to do that to Philadelphia again. It will be a different game when these two teams meet in the playoffs ultimately as well, in my opinion, too. But boy, it would be nice to have that little bragging advantage in our back pocket, right? Well, it would make this season sure. feel a lot sweeter until that time if they beat Philadelphia. I agree. They're both still good teams, regardless of the outcome on Sunday. And if they match up again in the playoffs, we have no idea how the game is going to turn out. Nothing that happens in this game is going to make me think uh, for sure. I know what's going to happen. And by the way, Eagles fans, I don't want to hear any complaining about the rest disadvantage. Okay. Cause the 49ers have five games this year where they are at a rest disadvantage. That yeah. is more than anybody else in the national football league. So does it suck that you're on short rest or the Niners are on longer rest? Yes, it does. But guess what? Nobody's been victimized by that more than San Francisco. So tough. We didn't give I mean, I, I tried giving them that excuse when they lost to Cincinnati off of Minnesota and the Niners fan base didn't even want to let me give them that excuse. There you go. Yeah. So I don't want to hear it. But anyway, I got to wrap it up because uh, it's late. I got to. You got to go minutes. watch Bears Vikings, don't you? What no, a pager they got on Monday night tonight. I got to finish this. I got to post this. I got to post 49ers and five. I'm trying to lock down a couple Eagles guests this week. You know, the preview, Sean the King, maybe, maybe Sean King. Yeah. You know, who knows what's going to make it. I, I did see a large account on Twitter tweeted that uh, if you're looking for 49ers content at stats on fire, the number one guy, you should follow him. John Kincaid. Yeah. From uh, the fanatic in Philadelphia. Longtime uh, friend of mine. He's actually the first host I ever produced a national radio show for was John Kincaid. Uh, wow. so he taught me a lot about the business. He is. You've got some Philly roots, huh? I, uh, I got some Philly roots a little bit, a little bit. But anyway, it's going to be a fun, fun week. Please make sure you are here with us. We're going to be live on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook every single weekday this week. Of course, we'll be live after the game. Vish, I know you'll be live after the game as well on your channel at Vish Kumaran. Make sure you like and subscribe to that. You are on all the socials at Vish Kumaran, or at least the socials I know you're on. You're at Vishkumar, unless you have secret oh, What's that supposed to be? You have secret burners that I don't know about? Oh, yeah. One of my burners just comes there to just to talk back to you on Twitter. I wouldn't be keep surprised. You, you humble. So, did you see that? Uh, I don't want to get into it now. I'll talk to you about it later. Anyway, <laughs> okay, okay. Monday, everybody. We'll talk to have you Have a soon. good one. Thank you.